Good morning. It's good to um, worship together today, especially at this uh, special time. I have been speaking on Beatitudes that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Here is a picture of the Church of Beatitudes. Okay, um, I wanted to show you this picture of Beatitudes I took during my uh, Israel trip last uh, fall. The church is located on a small hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is behind the church. People traditionally think this hill is where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes describe the essential qualities of true disciples in Jesus' eyes. We have studied the first four Beatitudes before. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. These four Beatitudes show people's inward reality. The first three describe how people see themselves in the light of God. To be poor in spirit, mourn for your sin, and be meek are the right attitudes leading you to come to God desperately. And then the fourth beatitude speaks of how people are blessed by hungering and thirsting for righteousness. They are in the right relationship with God. This morning, we are still studying the fifth beatitude in Matthew 5.7 where Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This fifth beatitude is different from the previous four beatitude in the sense that it's not only an inward reality, but also outward. It has to do with how you treat others. In the Bible, we read people seeking for God's mercy. For example, after King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he cried out to God for forgiveness in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your, according to your steadfast love, According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Another example is when Jesus was at Jericho, a blind beggar, Matthias, sat on the roadside and shouted out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was asking Jesus, for the healing of his sight. And Jesus did. 
We all need God's mercy in our lives. It could be spiritual, physical, emotional, or relational. Especially living at a time right now, we should all cry out to God for His mercy on this world. How do you understand the fifth beatitude when you when you read it? It seems to suggest giving mercy and receiving mercy are closely related. But does this sound like you have to earn God's mercy by your mercy to others? People usually think you rip what you saw. Is that what this beatitude is about? We know we cannot receive salvation by works. Then how do we understand this beatitude? Another question is, how do, we, how do you measure yourself whether you are a merciful person? Sometimes you may have some act of mercy such as donating money to orphanage or caring for the sick. But how do you know whether you are truly a merciful person in God's eyes? To properly understand this beatitude, I think we need to explore the answers to three key questions. What is mercy According to the Bible, how does a person become merciful? Why will only merciful people receive mercy from God? So the first question we need to answer for ourselves is, what does the Bible say about mercy? Mercy is a very broad thing in the Bible. Because God is merciful. Mercy is one of God's divine attributes. We can read about His mercy acts throughout the whole Bible. The best way to understand God's mercy is to focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is the perfect example of mercy from God. He demonstrated mercy in his life, his teaching, and his sacrifice for sinners. We shall let his teaching reveal the true meaning of mercy to us. One of the stories where Jesus teaches about mercy is in the parable of Good Samaritan in Luke 10. The story starts when a lawyer comes to test Jesus with a question about eternal life. Jesus turned the question back to him. The lawyer answered by citing the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus responds with the parable of Good Samaritan. A man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho 
and falls into the hands of the robbers. They strip him of his clothes, beat him, and leave him half dead beside the road. A priest and the Levite see this injured man. They pass by him without helping. And then a man from Samaria sees the injured man and has compassion for him. The Samaritan bandages the man's wounds. He takes him to an inn, cares for him, and leaves money with the inn's keeper to continue the care. Jesus then asked the lawyer, which one of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, acts as a neighbor to this man? Inarguably, the lawyer says, it's the one who shows him mercy. This story shows us some important characteristics of what mercy is about. Have you noticed how this story starts with the question about neighborly love, but ends with mercy? Apparently, mercy is inseparable from love. You, can have, you cannot have mercy without love. Genuine mercy is coming out of a loving heart for others. Mercy is an expression of love. So mercy is an attitude of heart. It's not a head knowledge you learn or a moral code you follow. Both the priest and the Levite know second commandment are honorable in the society, but they avoid the victim and do nothing at all. Their attitude shows it's not my business. In the country, the Samaritan sees the victim compassionate for him and acts with mercy. It's interesting how Jesus uses the Samaritan's act of mercy to enlighten the lawyer about what loving your neighbor is about. The Samaritan's act of mercy exemplifies giving mercy to a stranger in need. Not only that, Samaritans were despised by the Jews at that time. They were considered unclean, half-breeds by the Jews. But this Samaritan's mercy is not hindered by the prejudice from the Jews. He overcomes his ill feeling. Through the eyes of mercy and compassion to see the need of others. Jesus teaches us to be merciful is to be able to look beyond ourselves and see the needs of others. Jesus teaches us to be merciful is to be able to look beyond ourselves 
When someone is in distress, the person who gives mercy to the distressed person is the true neighbor. Genuine mercy and love is not restricted by differences such as race, nationality, and social status. There is another story in Matthew 9 where Jesus teaches about mercy. Jesus said, Jesus one day saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew left the booth and followed him. Matthew is one of the 12 disciples and the author of the Gospel of Matthew. But when he first met Jesus, he was a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated in the Jewish community because they were appointed to collect taxes for Romans. They also had a bad reputation because of their cheating. So they were regarded as traitors and cheaters. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with many tax collectors and sinners, the Pharisees saw it. They asked Jesus' disciple, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard it. He said to the Pharisees, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come for all called righteous, but sinners. Jesus hurt his own reputation when he visits Matthew and eats with tax collectors and sinners. Having meal together like this is considered an intimate fellowship in the first century Jewish community. The Pharisees regard this as Jesus' approval to those associating with him on the dinner table. Jesus quote from the Hosea chapter 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, in response to the Pharisees. The Old Testament word for mercy in, is the Hebrew word Hosea, which describes God's steadfast love. The Pharisees are probably offended by Jesus' word because they view themselves as the righteous law keeper. They believe they can receive God through sacrifices. They are more concerned with the appearance of the holiness than associating with the tax collector and sinners. But God is more concerned with their hearts than their religious duties and acts. A righteous sacrifice is empty if it is carried out without an attitude of love for God and obedience to God. 
Mercy is not often found in people who are proud, self-righteous, and judgmental. It is found in those who are alive in God's love. This story points to the salvation Jesus came to do. It shows us caring for others' spiritual conditions and sharing gospel with them is an act of mercy and love. Here we see this story also shows the right attitude to receive mercy from God. Here we see Jesus describes himself as a doctor who comes to heal the sick. However, the key to receive the healing for your sickness is to recognize you are sick. Jesus' words apply to all people, including the Pharisees, but they are blind to their sickness. They are unable to think about their own sin when they are inclined to judge others. Only those who realize their spiritual brokenness would come and receive healing provided in God's mercy. Jesus also talked about mercy when he teaches us to love our enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He also says this in Luke. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. In these passages, Jesus teaches us to be merciful toward those who persecute us and cause us pain. In the world we live, it is inevitable that we all encounter people who wrong us in many different ways. The question is how we can face them and treat them with a merciful attitude. How much do you hope that Jesus has never said this in the Bible? How can we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? How can we do good to them after they have hurt us so much? You cannot be merciful to them without forgiving what they have done to you. Although it is difficult to do, Jesus tells us, by doing so, you may be children of God. It's those who are doing God's will are proved to be his children. So far we have talked about to be merciful is to compassionate for others in need, care for others' soul. Forgive those who do not deserve. Love your enemies and do good to them. Apparently, 
the mercy Jesus talks about is not based on human standards. He says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That means we have to imitate God's mercy in treating others. But a natural person is inclined to be selfish, ruthless, and no mercy. So the question is, how does a person become merciful? The answer is, God's mercy to us is the cause of our mercy to others. Our merciful attitude reflects our response to God's mercy. Mercy springs from love and the expression of love. It's not possible to be merciful without love. So if we ask how we can be merciful to others, it's the same as asking how we can love others. Apostle John writes about God's love and all love in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. We love because he first loved us. These verse are the wonderful truths that we should meditate and practice constantly. They reveal how we can have love toward God and others. First of all, the reason we can have love toward God and others is because God is the source of love. He initiated his love to us by sending his son to us and sacrificing him for our sin. God is just and cannot overlook sin. In his just, sin cannot be forgiven without punishment. But in his merciful love, he has made a way of redemption through Jesus. We were helpless in our sin, unable to do anything to receive God's forgiveness of our sin. But because of his great mercy, we were forgiven for our sins and justified before God. So the reason we can have love is because we have received God's love through Jesus and have been born of God. Everyone who is born of God has tasted and experienced God's love. Nobody can be born of God without receiving God's love. Moreover, the reason we can have love is because we have received God's love and becoming the children of God. We continue to be filled by His love every day. His love floods our hearts and souls 
as we grow closer to Zen, to Him. And the Holy Spirit is working in us and nurturing us to be more and more like Jesus. So the essential result is we can have God's love flowing in us and out of us toward others. Now with the understanding how we can have godly love in us, we see the same on how we can have godly mercy in us too. True mercy is not strength as if doing a duty. Our mercy towards others is the essential effect of our response to God's mercy to us. It flows out of the heart that has been filled by God's mercy and transformed by it. The more we receive God's mercy, the more we are changed by it. The more we are changed by it, the more we become merciful to others. So with the understanding of what mercy is according to the Bible and how we can become merciful, we come to the last question. Why will only merciful people receive mercy from God? Jesus says in the fifth beatitude, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. People may perceive the meaning of this beatitude. Our mercy to others is the prerequisite for receiving God's mercy. However, it doesn't sound quite right, does it? Can we earn God's mercy by our mercy? If a natural person can, is incapable of showing true mercy to others, how can it be the cause to receive God's mercy? So how can we understand this beatitude? I think there are two angles to understand this beatitudes based on what we have already explored. The first angle is from the perspective of receiving God's mercy in our lives today. And the second angle is from the perspective of receiving God's mercy on the final day of judgment. We know God is merciful to us because he wants us to be, to be saved through Jesus. He pours out his mercy on us so that we can receive his salvation. Once we have received his salvation, we have access to his mercy all the time. In his faithfulness, he gives mercy for our needs every day. We constantly receive his mercy, whether knowingly or unknowingly. We can show mercy to others because we are filled by God's mercy. Our mercy to others is an inevitable fruit in our Christian life. The second angle to understand this beatitude is from the perspective of God's judgment on the final day. God will show us mercy on that final day because we have demonstrated the mercy we received from Him. Our mercy to others is the evidence that God's mercy is in us and continues 
to change us. A person who does not show mercy is the sign of lacking the experience of God's mercy. We should appreciate how does Jesus how Jesus described the eight beatitudes to show the spiritual quality of his disciples in a progressive way. As I said in the beginning, the previous four beatitudes describe people's inward reality. When we have this quality, we know how much we need God's mercy. This quality enables us to receive the mercy of God's salvation. Give us the desire to live in God's mercy, grace, and love. And make us change from the inside out. We can gradually display God's mercy in our lives because it's an inevitable fruit and evidence of receiving His mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy to us. Even when we do not understand your mercy or do not know your mercy well, you have already shown us mercy. We thank you that you call us to become the children of you so that we receive your mercy every day and we'll be able to feel by your mercy and love and become merciful to others. We pray, Lord, you continue change us. You continue to work in us so that our mercy can reflect your mercy in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.